Okay, I just I just pressed record because um, the quote I'll say is Gabby just said we should record this part because we're slogging through life. So (laughs) hi, everyone. Welcome to Story Beast. It is very, very early in the morning for Courtney. It's 4.30 a.m. And I just want to extend my eternal love and gratitude for you for getting up so early in the morning thank and you. being here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. In the cold, um, dark. <laughs> you know, and I actually, you know, we're talking about, um, what are we talking about again today? <laughs> <laughs> Satisfying endings. Okay, great. Um I'm going to swerve for a second. I just also want to say like how hard it is to be a person that, you know, has other things like we Mm -hmm. all do. And then come to, I say the table, but the computer or your um, stone tablet, whatever you use um, and, and show up. And it can be super hard because it doesn't always work out as planned. And I like the idea of uh, being transparent. I don't feel like we're ever not transparent, but to be especially so. Yeah, I agree. You know, we were supposed to record yesterday and I had a bunch of stuff come up at work and I had to work really late. And, you know, Gabby and I were just like, it'd be like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're currently trying to record episodes with a, a seven hour difference between us. And it's been uh, a challenge. Yeah. But it's, it's built our character. I mean, this isn't the end, but has it been satisfying? I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been good. It's been challenging in ways that we didn't expect, but also kind of fun because Mm -hmm. we, we, we can tag team in different ways. And I don't know, just, you know, how you don't expect something that challenging to produce uh, certain advantages and the, the tag team kind of works well. I feel like if someone were to write a book about this, about us, <laughs> the theme would be the, the power of friendship. <laughs> I like that. Me too. Me too. I know. And um, I actually, I put out a book. I have it next to me here. It's called The Anatomy of Genres, How Story Forms Explain the Way the World Works, which I was very interested in this because I feel like it's so like what we talk about. And I think it does relate exactly into, you know, when we're talking about genre or tropes, something about those things, they lend to the topic of satisfaction because satisfaction is somewhat about expectation, definitely meeting it, but also exceeding it. Yeah, I agree. And we have talked about surprise in the past and how that can be both a good thing and a bad thing. And I think with genre, the great thing about genre is that every genre has its own specific requirements for you to be able to kind of say, I write in this pocket. And that means that for the good and the bad, you have to kind of tick a few boxes, but also it kind of allows you a framework to work with. And that can be a really good thing because then you you have freedom in certain parts and in other parts. For example, if you're writing romance and you know that you have to have a happily ever after, you have to have a meet cute that has to happen at a certain percentage of the way through the book. All of those things are kind of set in stone type things, which you can obviously play with, but they need to happen in a specific way, which gives you the freedom to play 
play around in other parts and then to think about where your surprise lands. And for me, when I think about kind of satisfying endings, part of it is the, the obvious of if you have a lot of threads happening in your story, make sure firstly that you tie them all up because otherwise it can feel really dissatisfying to get to a point where the main storyline is tied up, but there's sort of open-ended things. Unless you're writing a series and they're not sort of main topics in there, then you can probably get away with not tying those up. I think somewhat. I actually was going to ask you what you thought about series because mm. it has to end in a way that feels satisfying, but also not, right? Because mm. um, you have to leave at least, I mean, I feel like you got to have a thick thread that's going to lead you from this book to the next. Well, my opinion on that is really that you what you need there is investment. So I'm not sure if I would call it a thick thread. I'd call it more how well are your readers invested in that thread that you're going to carry on into the next book or the next books, depending on how many you're planning on writing for the series. And if you're writing books which are very character-driven, and let's say, for example, your next book is more focused on a different character, how well have you gotten readers invested in that character so that whatever journey they're about to embark on in the next story, people are invested well enough to say, well, I actually care about what's going to happen now. If you're writing something both plot and character driven, then you could tie up a main thread in the first book and then have some twist happen at the end where everybody's so invested in what's going to happen next, but also what's going to happen to these characters next that they're driven to read to read on. So I really think it just depends on what your story is and how you're connecting your storyline with your readers. Mm. Okay, can I read just a tiny bit of the beginning of this book here? Go ahead. Okay. Because I think what we're talking about, like it does tie into theme. And then, you know, like when you get to a satisfying ending, you know, when we think about, you know, a character arc, there has to be some element of transformation here. And like, what have they learned, which has to do directly with the theme. And, um, you know, I'm not saying this is necessarily right or wrong, but um, I think it's useful to think about. So this guy, and he wrote the anatomy of story, right? So again, this is the anatomy of genres by uh, John Truby. But he says here, action is about being successful, not morally right myth represents a journey to understand oneself and gain immortality memoir is not about the past it's about creating your future fantasy is about finding the magic in the world and in ourselves to turn it into art detective fiction shows us how to think successfully about comparing different stories to learn what is true love stories reveal the happiness that happiness comes from mastering the moral act of loving another person so um, these are just some examples and um, he does actually spend a lot of time talking about combining genres which i think is something that's really important to think about too because um you know there's so many like i know like my my book is three parts fantasy one part detective, one part horror, half a part love. I don't know. <laughs> so, but I, I do I, think I like, think you you need to write. You need to do some math. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't say how many parts there were. I'm just That's saying. Fair. Yeah, I could go on forever. <laughs> I lo- I love your book. I love your book. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I I'm thinking about the way that he wrote that and how. I, as a writer, would approach information like that. And for me, I always find it really difficult to read craft books and take the information on board and apply it unless I've already written something and I'm thinking about 
the editing phase and where do I need to strengthen? Where do I need to go deeper? And usually it, that happens in the, in the character arcs for me. And so I think an overview like that of fantasy needs to do this or, and, and, you know, people don't obviously have to fit into those little boxes, but it could be an interesting, almost reference list for you to go back to when you're revising and thinking about where you want to strengthen certain aspects of your story and how you want that message to come across, whatever that message may be. And it could also be that you're writing a story where there is no message. You just want to have some fun with the story and there are stories like that. And, you know, everybody has the right to write whatever makes them happy. Um, but for me, that kind of advice feels like it would fit well in a revision phase, like in a, in a kind of later revision phase, revision two or something. I think that's interesting because um, I don't know if I have like a specific place. I feel like this is like most useful for me because I think when I read craft books, um, I'm just reading them and they're going to go somewhere for me. Right. And I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of that ends up being somewhat unconscious unless I'm specifically seeking them out because I'm stuck. And in that case, um, usually I've either hit a wall in drafting or like you're saying, like I need um, some extra support when I'm revising. So mm -hmm. um, and usually in that form, I probably pull out like save the cat and just where am I? What you know, what comes up for this? Um but um, but, you know, I think reading craft books, I think it's a very interesting kind of chat because, you know, we're always talking about like, how are we going to improve? Like, like where like what are we learning on um, that kind of thing? And with all craft books, I think that I think it's possible to um, take what's useful and take and leave what's not right. Hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of um, practices and story genius that I think are wonderful. And I don't think they necessarily work for me in the way that they are um, written there, but I do find them really useful um, when I think about story, right? And I'm not doing a bunch of um, detailed um, scene layouts or anything like that. You know, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't go that far, at least in my process right now. Um, but at yeah. the same time, I still find that information useful having read it. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it just comes down to the type of person that you are and the way that you write and what your process is. So to know your own process and to be able to understand how when you approach story, you can use all of these tools to help you. And, you know, thinking about satisfying endings and how all of these tools can be implemented. I also just want to mention that firstly, it's very hard to, to write stories and you don't have to get those endings right the first time. I know a lot of people who first figure out the endings before they go back and write everything else so they can kind of build up the tension and build up all of those things. That's great. Sometimes I know my endings, sometimes I don't. And that's also fine for me because the first draft, I try to get out as quickly as possible and then go back and look at how I can, how I can make sure that everything kind of ties together in the way that I want it to be and is everything building in the right ways. And one of the things I think about with satisfying endings and surprises is how we've talked before about how you kind of surprise yourself at the end. But then when you go back and you do your revision process, I think to have a satisfying ending, you also have to be really conscious of things like breadcrumbing and putting in red herrings. Because if you have an ending, which is epic and wonderful and incredible, but nobody could ever see it coming in a not good way, because you haven't given them enough information to be able to figure it out for themselves, then it 
tends to fall flat because it feels like a bit of a cop out. Like you just kind of got to the end and invented something as a shock factor. And so I think there's a lot to be said for the small things that need to happen before you actually reach that satisfying ending. There's a lot of little building work that needs to go in in smaller ways for it to feel satisfying. I totally agree. I actually, um, my word for that, you use breadcrumbing. I think of it as seeding. And I think it's mm. kind of funny that we all have our, our name for that thing. I'd be so curious if anyone listening has their own name for that, you know, or if there's like a, a technical term for it. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, but yeah, like, and, um, and we did talk, did we talk about this, the, the last GNC episode when we talked about Brandon, Brandon Sanderson's uh, promise, progress and payoff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, all of that has to do with what we're talking about as well. Um, I know, in, in you know, and we mentioned this, like he has an entire pretty much masterclass on YouTube mm -hmm. for free, which is great. And that was in, um, I think, the links in the show notes of the last episode. That was just me and Gabby. But, you know, he talks about, you know, you're you're making these promises along the way. Right. Which, again, you know, when you're going to get to the ending. Right. Which is, you know, if we're talking about a satisfying ending, you're theoretically meeting those promises but you know in some ways like exceeding them right like that's where like maybe mm -hmm. a twist would come in whatever um and i think one example he uses is if you're he's he doesn't use it in this way because um i'm gonna use like the wrong vehicle but um <laughs> but if you're promising like everyone you know a train like the entire way and then you're also just talking about how great this I don't know, hot air balloon is like, cool. We get a train at the end. But if you've just talked about how great this hot air balloon is, then people are going to be kind of bombed. So you, you want to, you know, if you're seeding things through because people like you're really, no, I didn't get it. So, oh, so people are going to be unhappy if you, if you don't give them a hot air balloon, you should give them a train and a hot air balloon. Okay. That's fair. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> Well, okay, so this is this has got to do with the satisfaction of plot twists as well. Like how well you set things up. Because I feel like plot twists work really well when you're subverting information. So you're giving everybody exactly what they need to be able to to form the outcome for themselves, but they can't see it coming because you've presented the information in a way that's kind of got, got them to think things are going to go in one direction and then you flip it and it goes the other. But if they would go back and read it, they would see that actually they could have figured it out, but they allowed themselves to be to be steered in, in a different direction. Those for me are always the most fun. When I think about characters and their arcs and what feels very satisfying to me, I also feel like characters really have to, if they're going to win at the end, for me, they really have to struggle. And even if I know deep inside that they're going to win, I need to know that they that it wasn't an easy win because otherwise I'm, I'm not going to feel good about it. And I want that tipping point, that moment of are they going to get it or are they not to be super tense and really start to doubt how is this going to play out? Because So, you know, write them into a corner where you start to believe that actually, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I want them to win. I want this specific thing to happen. And then, you know, make something else happen, but have it still be satisfying but have that struggle be so real and have people be so invested in their struggle, whatever it may be, whatever genre you write, that by the time they come out on the other side of it and they have a win, it feels so good. And you're just kind of cheering for them because it wasn't easy for them to get to that point. Mm, you want them to really earn it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think that's so fair. But you, when you were talking about writing them into a corner, I was like, but what about me, the writer? How do we write them <laughs> out? <laughs> Actually, Neil Gaiman has a great masterclass. And he talked about if you don't know what to do next in your plot and you're just drafting and kind of um, trying to figure things out, think about what is the absolute worst thing you can do to your character and do that. And then make yourself, make you as the writer suffer because how the heck are you going to get them out of this corner? What are you going to do? And you have to become creative and find a way to get them out. But that is actually an incredible tool because if you're struggling with how you've put them into that corner and you're trying to figure out how to do it, the person who's reading it is also just as tense thinking, oh my God, how are they going to get out of this? What is going to happen? And that's going to come across on the page. So I think employing something like that and just having that kind of mindset of you will figure it out. And maybe it's not going to come out in the first draft. You are going to write yourself into such a hole that you're going to have to rethink things, but it's fine. It's okay. I think give yourself that grace to do that. Move on if you're kind of really stuck in a certain place, but you know what needs to happen a little bit further on. Leave yourself a note and come back to be able to get to that ending and see what feels satisfying, what doesn't. And if it doesn't, where can you go back and try to build up those tensions in a way and those losses in a way that allow for you. And and, okay, I'm talking about losses a lot, but also remember that there have to be a few wins along the way, because otherwise you're just kind of writing down, 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 and it can become a little bit depressing. Like thinking about your, your character's internal obstacles and how they have to overcome that in order to have that external plot win is also incredibly satisfying because you want those two things to tie into each other, right? You you want to have a character who struggles with something that is absolutely necessary for them to have to be able to do this plot thing that needs to be done. So you want to throw them into a situation that they are not equipped for and then find ways to help them realize that they can be equipped for that, maybe not in the in the general expected way that their world or their society wants them to be, but in their own way. And that overcoming of that internal hurdle is also incredibly satisfying when you then see a character progressing in a certain way and then being able to use that level of whether it's an internal reflection or something that they have to overcome as as a block within themselves, or even if they don't overcome it, but they've changed in a certain way because they've embraced it and it's just, this is who I am, that's also fine, really, depending on the type of story that you tell, but it has to tie into how their perception has changed. And so that kind of transformation that happens within character allows for transformation in plot that can give a more satisfying ending. Yes. Um, yes to all of that. I think that, you know, just to kind of highlight a few points is, you know, the way the world and um, other characters and what other forces that are up against the the character, they should squeeze them in a way that changes them. Right. Yeah. And it kind of yeah. is um, honestly like the phrase that's coming up is no grit, no pearl. Right. Mm, You know, so I mean, when you're just thinking about, you know, if things are too easy in your book and that's why you're kind of like, gosh, this is boring. It's because there's probably not enough blood, Um, (laughs) 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 you know, metaphorically, literally, whichever, um, both. Mm. So um, but that's something that's like really important to be thinking about, just to paraphrase what you just said, Gabby. Yeah. Yeah. And to kind of spin off of that as well, I also 
I know that in certain genres, there is an expectation for a happy, happily ever after. Um, yeah, romance is, is one of the, the great examples of that. H-E-A, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just to say, you know, a satisfying ending doesn't have to mean a happy ending. It really does depend on your character's journey and what's going to feel good for them. So how have you written them? What are their struggles? What would feel good for their personal transformation? That I think is a lot more important than thinking about, you know, is everybody going to be happy at the end of the story? I think it's very, very important for me personally, at least, to have a strong emotional ending, like some something that makes me feel very connected to the character. And I don't mean like I have to cry at the end of the book or anything, but just I have to feel their struggles so intensely that at the end, whatever emotion I feel, I walk away from that and remember that book. Like I remember one of the books that I, I, I think I've mentioned before on the podcast is The Vegetarian. And that book made me so angry. It made me so angry. It's very, very well written. It's an excellent book. Everybody should read it. But I was angry for you. I'm still angry. Like I read that book years ago. <laughs> I haven't read it. It's excellent. It's a very short read. You can read it in a, in, a, in a few hours. It makes you think about just the injustice of the world and how women are treated and, how, you know, culture and society and just so many, so many things that actually this is making me think of Bianca Maria, who talked about writing with rage. But that book specifically just sat with me in a way that no other book ever has. I've, I've felt emotion for very many stories in every genre. I read very widely. But this one in particular just made me so angry, so angry. And that's excellent because I walked away and I just kept thinking about that book. I'm still talking about it today, years later after reading it. Um, It was gifted to me by um, my best friend who said, I think you should read this book. And I was so upset. I I got to the end of it and I called her and she's like, you know, again, hours apart from me. And I was so angry about it. And I just feel like if you remember that take into consideration the emotional impact that you want to leave people with or the thought that you want to leave people with, then try to do it in a way that really pulls at feeling. And that feeling, again, just to say, doesn't have to be a good feeling. It just has to be a thing that keeps your your cogs turning and your whether it's your blood boiling or whether it makes you smile, it's going to stay with you. And those characters are going to stay with you. That story is going to stay with you in so many different ways. And I can tell you, I don't remember the names of the characters, but I remember exactly what happened to them. I remember the parts that made me upset. This is reminding me of a quote. I think it was Maya Angelou. She said, um, people will never remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. I think that's the quote. And I think that applies to books as well. It applies to any type of story, a movie you could watch, anything. You might not remember the plot specifically. Sometimes I read books. I don't, you know, one of my favorite series is um, the Six of Crows duology. I don't remember all the details of the heist. It doesn't matter how many times I've read it. But I remember all the parts that made me feel something. I remember the character interactions, the parts of the banter where I really laughed, the things that just made me pause, the part where I cried, all of those moments. You're connecting with the characters and the story in a way that makes them feel like real people. And I feel like those are the stories that are satisfying. Those are the ones where you have to give readers a a window into being able to walk away and still look back and feel connected to whatever you've laid out in that, in that journey for them. Mm. 
Yeah, I think also part of um, what you're talking about, too, is, you know, things that really stay with you. I think there's almost this immersion experience, too, that can only speak to six crows, but um, Mm -hmm. I I am terrible. I I know (laughs) it's harassing you. (laughs) <laughs> but I, you know, it is February. I am going to read Crooked Kingdom this month. Mm-hmm. So yes, but um, but there is something about you know that world, the writing, all of that. Like I feel like I'm there, and I think too that when you get to those huge emotional beats, like they hit so much harder, right? And I know we're talking about fantasy here, but I think whatever genre you're writing in, I did want to just, I guess, kind of swerve to like when we go to satisfying endings. Like one thing that was popping up into my head, you know, we talked about romance some, right? Uh, with romance romance, you know, the H.E.A., Happily Ever After, like that's a genre expectation. And if you don't have that, it's not a romance, right? It's like maybe has like a romantic subplot or what have you, right? But it's not a romance, right? Because that will not be a satisfying ending if it's not H.E.A. and you've said it's romance, Mm -hmm. right? Because like you have to have that. But um, what is interesting to me is there's different we'll say conventions in the genre um one thing that comes up quite a lot i think they call it like the baby log so instead of like <laughs> epilogue it's like the baby log right a I lot of this never happens. heard that well um we need to we need to have mary elena on here i bet she could she could regale know, us with romance landia um, absolutely yes Shout out. Um, but um, but yeah, so like in the epilogue, especially a lot with historical romances in particular, I love me a historical romance. But like if they have a baby at the end, often like the baby is somewhat like a symbol, we'll say, for their, you know, happiness as a couple and whatever. And it is not necessarily a convention of the genre that like I think needs to be there. Um, I think sometimes it works, but I think also depends with, you know, like the character. And so sort of uh, Joanna Shoup's book, you know, so uh, books, she did some writing in the Gilded Age era, which, you know, is very, it's just a very interesting era. It's different than just, um, you know, Regency England. There's, um, I think there's so much, there's so much to explore there in terms of history and like what's happening. And, and so anyway, like she didn't necessarily necessarily choose the baby log will say for her character because it would not have made sense for her character right mm-hmm. and um and i think that that's something too when you think about satisfying endings i mean even if you have we'll say expectations you need to meet for your reader you know i mean really think about some of those things like again if you're not doing an hea that is not romance but pretty much anything else I'm probably okay with but yeah so um i just i don't know i just wanted to bring that up and that's how i feel <laughs> Well, I do appreciate that. I think I'm I'm just thinking about how a lot of the books that feel very satisfying to me generally have either a kind of open-ended ending, so you fill it in for yourself. And for me, Six of Crows was a little bit like that. Um I'm talking about the second the second book, so I'm talking about the whole series, but the the ending of um Crooked Kingdom kind of left it up to you a little bit without ruining anything. And but the way that it ended there was enough of a lead in to allow me to fill in Mm. the parts that I wanted to happen and so I just created that ending for myself and I feel like that that's great because it if it's done well and you give just enough that readers can take what they want from it then that can be very satisfying and the other ones that I feel are very satisfying as well well you see, now I'm wondering if satisfying is the right word. So I've read, for example, the uh, the David Bard trilogy. That one gutted me. I was so sad. And I'm still sad. And 
kind of upset about the way that that ended. But also it stayed with me because one of my favorite characters in that series suffered so intensely, but also did some really, really awful things. And you want to forgive him throughout the whole book. You're just looking for ways to forgive him. And because of the things that he did, you, you can't. And he can't forgive himself. And other characters can't forgive him. And I don't want to ruin anything, but it just kind of ends in a way where there's things that I wanted to happen and they didn't happen. But also I understood why they couldn't happen. And that stayed with me in a way that it didn't feel satisfying in the typical, I got what I wanted out of the story. It felt more like the author really took the time to think about behave, like human behaviors, how we interact with each other. What is a forgivable action? How do we sometimes in human relationships that we then kind of, as we read about them, these relationships in the stories become real to us. How do we make sense of what forgiveness is? Or so, you know, topics like that, where the satisfaction comes out of how we start to think more deeply about human interactions and start to question for ourselves what is okay and what isn't okay. And so even when you feel really sad because you've walked away from this and you wanted a happy ending or you wanted that specific thing to happen that didn't happen, it stays with you in a different way. I'm still mad about that book, <laughs> that whole series. <laughs> but also it it's I still recommend it to people because of the way that it made me feel and the way that it made me reflect upon certain themes like forgiveness and what it means to forgive yourself, what it means to keep making the same mistakes or then to come back and then try to find your your way back to who you are questions like that. So kind of how, how do, do big questions get addressed in, in stories and what in, in that light can make it feel satisfying or not? Yeah, I wish we had um, another word for that because I think that, you know, I mean, that is really what we're talking about when we're talking about a satisfying ending, but so much of the word satisfying is so much rooted in I approve. <laughs> And I don't know if that's always the point of stories, right, for you to approve. I think so much of even what authors can do is, you know, characters can do terrible things. It's not necessarily that the author approves. It's sometimes the author's asking, what did, what do you think about this? Right. Because it's not it's not that, you know, these characters are supposed to be how we're supposed to act, because that um, that's. That's not even necessarily what story is about, but it's like, what, what do you think? And again, I think that really comes down to what are the types of stories that you want to tell? Are you trying to tell a story where you just want people to walk away and feel, well, I felt good reading that and I'm going to move on to the next thing. Or do you want your stories to sit with them and spark something and have them really reflect and think on a deeper level about whatever it is that your topic is in, in the book or your main theme or even a sub theme? Totally. And you can have both, I want to say, too. Like, they can mm -hmm. be both things, but they can, they're they not necessarily mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I struggle with that, too, as a, as a storyteller, because, yes, I want readers to come away from a story and keep thinking about it and feel gutted by, <laughs> by whatever I put in. But also, I don't want them to be throwing the book across the room and be so angry that they are not that, that they're just upset about it and not going to think about it. So when I talked about the vegetarian, for example, I was angry, but I wasn't angry at the at the storyline or the the way the story was told or anything like that. I was just angry about 
the constructs of society. And I thought the story was so well written and just put across in such a way that it really made me think about and open my eyes to, I already knew about, about a lot of these things, but I just hadn't seen it from that perspective. And so in that sense, the author just did this incredible job of putting together this tapestry for me to look at and reflect upon. And so it feels a little bit like if you would, if you would go into um, a museum and look at some art, you can look at something and spend a long time trying to figure out what it is that the painter or the artist was trying to, what kind of message they're trying to deliver in it. Or it could just be a picture of a landscape. You can look at it, you can appreciate it. You can say that's beautiful and you can move on to the next thing. And I feel like that's, that's the same type of thing that we do with with writing, with, sto with story. You can tell so many different types of story and satisfaction in at an ending really doesn't have to be all painted with the same brush. Mm. It really depends upon intention. This reminds me so much of our conversation with Ken Liu. Uh, you know, like just um, talking to him, like we talked about I think the Iliad. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, he had some really interesting points about, you know, people have so many different takeaways from that. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's an unsuccessful story. People are invited to think what they want. Yeah. Yeah. I just I think that's so interesting. And again, like his, you know, his story beast, too. When we talked about his story beast, that was it really got to me. Like I I was, you know, I really obviously loved it. And um it just had me thinking a lot about about how story happens. Right. And, mm. you know, we have an idea and we try to convey it and it's, you know, maybe not in some ways it's not conveyable in the typical form of I'm like, I'm not making sense because it's it's so intangible. Um, you know, we have an <laughs> that, intention. That's a lot of what story is. Totally. That's really a lot of what story is. And I think you you come to the table as a storyteller with a sense of what do I want to share and communicate with people? And what do I want to share and communicate with myself? At least that, that's how I approach it. Mm -hmm. And one of those things you can control and the other you can't. And so to me, a lot of what is satisfying to one person is maybe necessarily not going to be satisfying to someone else. And you have to think about how do you write the story that you want to tell? What feels right for you? A lot of, you know, regardless of whether you plot or whether you pants, I think a lot of storytelling really does. It really is rooted in emotion. You have to feel like something is working and, and you get that sense of this is right. This is the track that I that I want to be on. This is the, the, the story that I want to tell. This is how I need to deliver it. And you'll get that feeling, Will, of it's going the right way or it isn't. Yeah, Totally agree here. Um, I think before we jump into snacks, I think we should talk about like our ending for this season, um, just to give some expectation to listeners. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, and this is not like a book in, um, in that way, although we did say um, maybe our theme is the power of friendship. Also the power of story, duh. Um, yeah, I love that. More than yes. one theme setting expectations. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we are nearing the end of our first season. And ah, can you believe it's it? It's been amazing. No, I can't. I can't believe it. We kind of birthed this, this mm -hmm. podcast uh, in the very early dark hours of the morning as you are sitting in right now. And um, just the conversations that we've had with incredible storytellers and people whose perspectives have blown my mind and who are still to come um in 
in this season and we have you know, recorded for the next season as well. I'm so excited to share all of those. But to set expectations for people, so we will conclude in a few, a couple of weeks, um, middle of March, I think it is. Is that mm-hmm. right? I think so. Yep. Yep. And then we'll be off for a month while we do secret story stuff for you guys, which we will be sharing more about. And then head into season two. Mm-hmm. Um, when is that? March, April, in the middle of April. Yeah. And we will be um, bringing you a surprise, which I will say nothing of right now. But just to kind of um, get your brain cells tingling. That's not a thing. Brain cells don't tingle. I don't know. Here they can. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't tingle. Um, Fine, they're a scientist, they Gabby. Tingle. Did you want to add something to that? I yeah. Um, just that um, for newsletter subscribers, um, we mm-hmm. are going to have our newsletter coming out. I think, is it in March? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the winner of our um, giveaway will be announced there. So if you're waiting on that, that's um, that is coming TK to come. Um, so, uh, yeah, in March, expect that in your inbox. So we're really excited about that. And, um, you know, we have so just some fun little tidbits of things that we're doing and thinking about. So if you're not a newsletter subscriber, um, you can find uh, the link in the show notes if you want to go ahead and subscribe to it. Um, we do fun giveaways there. We do um, different craft things. It's just like a little bit of extra bonus content for um, kind of what we do here. Um, and sometimes like you get like extra fun insider info. So it's kind of mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Do I have anything else to add? Um, just that we have a few more episodes left and I feel so happy, sad. I know I feel. I feel really fulfilled. I feel like this whole journey has really filled my cup in a way that Mm -hmm. I expected, but also didn't. Mm -hmm. I had a sense of this is going to be great because I love talking about story. I love talking to other people about story. I love learning from other people about story. And so I had that expectation, but I just didn't realize how much it would move me and how intensely happy it would make me to just be like the other day we were up, I was, um, cause we have this crazy time difference and we had to do an interview. It was midnight here and it went on and I didn't mind cause I was just having this great chat with some incredibly smart people and it was so interesting and so fun. So I've had a really wonderful time. We are so super grateful to everybody who's been listening and sending us DMs and telling us the the episodes that they love and, and what they enjoyed um, and what they'd like to hear more of. So if you have any kind of feedback like that, do let us know. We love hearing about it. If you would like, you can also leave reviews uh, wherever you listen uh, to, your, to your episodes. That is always fun for us to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, okay. I feel, I don't know. I just have lots of, you know, again, happy, sad. I know you said fulfilled, but like happy, sad is, you know, the feeling I have. Um, You're going to have therapist Courtney is here and you can have more than one feeling. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That is true. Yeah. Your characters can have more than one feeling, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Yes. And that's, that makes them more satisfying just to be clear, because it Mm -hmm. makes them more human and relatable. Yeah, I I would just add that to be clear. So we won't be releasing episodes for a month um, from the middle of March to the middle of April, but we will be sharing stuff uh, with our subscribers and also on our social media. So keep an eye out for things that um, you might be interested in in terms of storytelling. And we will be around and always available to chat story and snacks. Should we go into snacks now? We should definitely go into snacks. Tell Tell me snacks. Gosh, um, I've been 
So I'm I'm leaving here soon, and so we've been just cramming all the foods that we normally wouldn't eat uh, at home. I tried a this is not a this is not a homish snack, but I tried to make some ginger cookies the other day, and I was excited about them because I wanted them to be really crunchy, and I got it so perfectly right. I was ecstatic. I will I, I can share the recipe, maybe not in the show notes here, but I will. We can share it in the newsletter. Um, just because I have to fly tomorrow and I won't have time to <laughs> to do that, but um. We could share the newsletter and I, I got them perfectly right. But then I was really sad because the container didn't seal well. And so by the next day, they'd gone soft, which they still tasted really good. Um, they're like spiced ginger cookies and they were delicious. But I wanted them to be crunchy and they were only crunchy for one day. And then they went out. Oh, that's devastating. <laughs> it's, it's, it's again, it's like a happy sad. <laughs> I feel like it's like maybe more sad than happy. I mean, at least if that were me, I'm just projecting here. But for me, tell me your snack. Um, well, I'm trying to think. It's just, you know, when you have those times, y'all, when it's just you squeezed. <laughs> it's like you're just doing the stuff, just trying to do whatever. And so I'm kind of blinking on my snacks because and for me, that's a message that I'm not having enough pauses. And, um, and I feel like that's a good measure for me so I think if you're feeling like that at all if you are snack forward I think that's the the term we've been using right um (laughs) you know maybe it's a sign for you um I think you know (laughs) this is so cheesy (laughs) this is what popped in my head my snack is gratitude and (laughs) it's cheating but okay no 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 and it's my and I know this is like a boring maybe thing but it's just like I'm drinking my coffee right now um in my giant blood of my enemies mug and <laughs> the reason it's gratitude it tastes like gratitude is um when we when we moved into our house you know we had like a little housewarming yeah, i talked about this it was like it was kind of my birthday party you know casual witch <laughs> if y'all are i've been listening since like what october but um yeah, like someone got me. It was so nice. It was one of those um, those coffee machines that you can set up the night before and then it will make coffee for you at the time you say. And I have to and just to say, like, if you struggle to get up in the morning, sometimes for me, it's been life changing. I don't know what it is, but I can smell the coffee all the way from upstairs. Right. And I wake up in the morning. I'm like, well, I have to get up. There's coffee. So um, my partner, <laughs> you know, I just I, I had such a hard day yesterday. It was so hard. And I just, you know, and there were just so many things I wanted to do. I didn't get to do. And I just went to bed early and exhausted and tired. And um, I woke up and I smelled the coffee and it was so nice. And he had set it for me for to go off, you know, really early in the morning because I'd said I have to get up really early because I couldn't record today. And I just and that's why my cup is full (laughs) of gratitude. And I just I feel really grateful right now just for I mean, even all the difficulties I have and all of that. Um, But I'm just really kind of struck by, um, you know, I just I feel like I'm just so happy with, you know, what we do here. And it's just such a privilege to, you know, get to talk to people that just love stories so much. And um, it's such a privilege to struggle with it. You know, when I'm thinking about it, like, I mean, it it sucks. (laughs) And also, um, it really 
I guess it's the no grit, no pearl thing. You know, I mean, there is something so satisfying about like when you get to that point where it's like, you know, your breakthrough and, you know, getting to be in a community because I've said this so many times, but so much of my framework is about other people. Um, And again, I I hope that doesn't come off as so codependent, but it just is how I see life is um, just connection and um, all of that. And so my snack is coffee but it like it just feels like something else mm, that's actually pretty satisfying to hear <laughs> thank you <laughs> so just to tie it all together no i i think your snack wins if there was <laughs> this was a competition your, your snack would win over my soggy ginger cookies <laughs> okay but but imagine if we'd had them together It'd be like the ultimate thing like i feel like you know yeah. you have something like really sweet with coffee like i mean that balance that is satisfying you know and that i is satisfying i wonder I'm, I'm sorry i'm like having a brain moment right now but i'm like that is you know that that that's the happy sad i don't know like mm, i like that bittersweet y'all all right friends be brave stay beastly Oh man, if I said be brave first, then that means I have to come up with a thing. Do you have a thing? Yeah, we'll see you next week. Okay, great.